Hello and welcome once again to episode 103 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So it's been a busy week in uh, several like technological circles, uh, so we figured we would touch on some of those just to uh, see how what we think about them and... Uh, how they affect us as developers. Uh, the first of which is Google shutting down yet another thing. Uh, this is what Google does. They make things get people excited and then shut it down on them. Uh, I think that's how they like collect bad energy. Uh, and they're, they're going to do something with this bad energy one day. Um, I mean, they, they said don't be evil, but that is clearly like uh, playing a game of like, uh, like, letting people overthink stuff so that way they can collect all this bad energy and do something with it because uh they are clearly wanting people to get frustrated and mad at them um because they never like really continue with anything other than gmail i think gmail is like one of the only things that they've launched since like search and kept around uh and youtube doesn't count because they bought that um so yeah what do you think about this yeah we didn't even say what was uh, shutting down it could be anything. This could be a, a timely announcement at it's, any point in the year. <laughs> yeah, literally could be anything. There is a website called Killed by Google that lists out uh, everything that Google has killed. And at the top, there's a filter menu. 274 things, okay? From apps, 54 apps, 199 services, and 21 thing uh, hardware uh, items. So... Yeah, it could be anything, but this time it's Stadia, which I guess is both hardware and software because they have those little controllers. Um, pretty. I guess there's other uh, things being killed off too. I didn't even notice. Like oh Google yeah, Cloud, man. I mean all the time. YouTube Originals. Oh, I guess that's no longer a thing. Uh, I yeah, never heard of Google Unhub. Hangouts. I knew Hangouts was going away and getting renamed or whatever. Um, yeah, they renamed it to Meet, which is already a thing. So. I, I don't know. I mean, Google's thing of don't be evil, they removed that long ago. And I don't know, they must have some pretty killer hardware engineers to be able to harness this uh, this negative energy and store it somehow in a battery. That That's kind of cool. I'm just realizing what yep. the icon for these are. It's a freaking guillotine. So good. And then yeah. <laughs> it's a tombstone. <laughs> it's been killed off. Are there any other like good bits on this thing? No. This is just a... Uh... A purely wonderful site uh, hosted yeah. and brought to you by Mailchimp, uh, not our sponsor. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, this is this is hilarious. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Angular JS that lived for eleven years. That's somewhat related to what we do. Oh, you know? Angular is no longer I, a thing. Killed off in twenty twenty one. Oh, I should tell some of my teammates that it's no longer a thing because <laughs> I think they're still developing. With it. Oh. <laughs> um. What I what I found interesting about the Stadia thing, especially though, was uh, the first thing I really heard. Uh, Dimitri posted about it in our Slack channel, and then I went on Twitter, and the first thing that I saw was a developer that was actively working on a, a game for Stadia, finding out through this whole thing. Like Google didn't let them know; it was like through Twitter, basically, that they found out that they didn't have a platform to develop on. So that was like. Ugh, like very poorly communicated. Um, I guess there was an internal. At least they're going to get a refund, just... right? I mean, people who bought I, I, stuff for Stadia, they yeah. get refunds. But are, is the developer going to get a refund? The or is that going to be a? Is that going to be a costly, uh, like, uh, court case to yeah. deal with? I, I guess one thing is like if it was a Stadia exclusive, hopefully that they can find. I guess it would just be another publisher to pick up the game and publish it through them everything that they're doing is just it, basically it's probably just a pc game so in theory it's not like their development efforts are completely wasted they just need to find a platform to release it on which is like mm -hmm. that sucks so yeah well it might have also been a game that has like fairly high requirements that were met by the google stadia like infrastructure that normal people might not have you know they were just relying on that and skipping out on the timely and expensive optimization steps to get it really running everywhere um yeah so 
Yeah, I, I had I learned about this through a coworker who was like actually invested in in playing Google Stadia, and they're like, "What am I supposed to do now?" And I'm like, "You should just buy a Switch because chances are Nintendo won't come out with a new Switch. They're like five years and and going. It's like this thing is still selling like hotcakes. Yeah. They're going to continue selling it like hotcakes for another five years. So your investment is sound there, even though it's like ancient technology by like today's standards." Uh, but it's yeah. fun, right? That's at the end of the day, like that's what these things are made for is to be fun. And if uh, if an ancient console satisfies that, uh, then yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, I there was another story of this guy that had spent six thousand hours in Red Dead Redemption Two through Stadia, and I don't think he can like get his save data out or anything. So, like. Oh, that kind of stuff that that hits me hard because I had that whole mm-hmm. thing with my Switch and like getting banned yeah, by Nintendo investment. for trying to back up my Switch. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a huge bummer, and uh, I guess no one. I mean, Dimitri mentioned this before we started. Like, what was it three months ago that they were like, "Yeah, we're not killing off Stadia. It's, it's still going strong." <laughs> and then three the three months ago, dude, that sucks. That's not even like a year. That's like it's nothing in tech time. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I guess this 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 is a good lesson for anyone making a product is if you have a if you make a lot of products and you constantly kill them off and people notice that that's not good, right? There you're gonna you're gonna oh. build up so much bad mojo like i personally will never trust a google product because they have killed off so many products in the past some that i've used and many that i have never used but the fact that i hear that like they've upset yet another group that has learned to rely on them like i'm never gonna trust anything that google makes like ever it's just not worth it to me uh to put my my eggs in that basket because chances are it's never gonna stick around on like I'm not going to say this as like an Apple fanboy or anything, but like even the frameworks that Apple comes out with, like at the very least, those stick around and stay poorly maintained, uh, but they don't go anywhere. And you can be reasonably (laughs) sure that if you build something like you have 10 years of roadmap ahead of you uh, and you might get unlucky and it might get like cans like like Carbon was, but Carbon had like a 15 year run at least. Uh, So it's not like you are short on time. Um, so like if you're building anything and your customers see that you are, you are like losing their trust in this way, that's, that's like a big no, no, I think, uh, especially from a business point of view. Yeah. I think the only thing, I don't know, maybe it's too, too early to call, but I think the only thing in recent memory for Apple is like the, uh, the original HomePod. Now there's only HomePod mini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to refresh, but they, you know, they killed it off, and so it's like there's this weird gap. So, but they continue to support uh, HomePods. They they still get updates. Yes, yes, uh, mine still work. I've yep. heard that many people like they they are starting to die, uh, and there's not oh, much no. like options for you. Uh, but like, still works. Yeah, I use my original HomePod very little. It's in one room, and I'm not there very often, but still works, and it's loud, so that's that's great. Yeah. Here, so, here was the another. Support is there. That's true. Here was another excellent comic of, uh, like it, it was an older comic when they killed off Reader, um, but there's a cumulative cost of maintaining Reader, which is just like a steadily increasing linear line. Yeah. Um, and then there's the cumulative cost of lack of trust in Google's long term commitment to its products, and that just steeply like overshoots at one point. Uh, and there's a little the there's a little oops. there's a little bubble at that intersection that just says oops. Because once you pass the threshold, you're never gaining that trust back. It's like nope. for a ever growing population that just gets constantly like punched in the gut every time they give you that trust. Um, yeah, it's not great. So if you're listening, we'll we'll put a link in our show notes for this. Uh, but yeah, it's it doesn't look good. Talking about things that do look good, uh, Apple has decided to. Uh, change their mind, which is exceedingly rare, but it seems like more and more common in past beta cycles uh, of how they're going to treat a new feature. 
Yeah, so Stage Manager is getting a little bit more support than it originally was, which I think was M1 uh, iPads only, right? It was yep. like just locked down to M1. Uh, now, let's see, I just had it up. Ah, oh, crap. The A12X um, and the A12Z, I think. So the two prior generations of iPad Pro. Really? Yep. That that seems... The A12Z is a couple of years old by now, right? Oh, yeah, um, okay, so... It's just two prior generations, I think. So however, however years work for that. Hmm. And I'm just going to buy whatever iPad comes out later this year because my battery is yeah. not doing so great, yeah. but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this says, I'm just going off of imore.com. It says, uh, and this could be old. Oh, this is from August 2022. So maybe this is not right. But it says the iPad Air, fifth generation, 11 inch iPad Pro, and 12.9 inch iPad Pro 2021. So pr there's probably more than that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I think those were the originals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2018 and 2020 models that used the A12X and A12Z. Dang, that's sweet, dude. I, uh, I'm i kind of sad that I sold my iPad Pro now. But, um, I, have Happens. you used it? I have not. Yeah. Uh, so I've heard uh, a mixed bag of uh, hot garbage and... Uh, mm -hmm like watch out this is this is danger territory of very very beta um and supposedly shipping soon uh and that does not give me encouragement uh that this is going to like work out okay for apple um mm -hmm. there have been a lot of people wondering like why at this stage so there's a few things that happened uh they there was a lot of trouble stage manager uh up until like this point basically um yeah. and uh this was only on the m1s and it worked with its external display uh apple kept saying in new versions of xcode hey stage managers uh updated for the the simulator so that we can test this out uh, was not updated for the simulator <laughs> um the simulators like you had to go through hoops of uh a dot apple internal which if you uh, fun fact, if you go to your hard drive's root folder and you add a .apple internal uh, folder there, uh, that will enable all sorts of debug features onto your computer, which you probably shouldn't yeah. ever touch. One of those was Stage Manager uh, being allowed. So uh, that is, was like still gated behind that. Um, and it was also like both a hot mess in terms of bugs, but also a hot mess in terms of user expectations like hey if i'm gonna do this what's gonna happen um and like things did not seem like they were super well thought out um or that they were going to satisfy what actual users needs were going to be um and this is with the giant asterisk i've never tried this this is just what other people um have been mm -hmm. have been uh saying on twitter and on podcasts now comes the point where uh apple's like okay we said initially that it would be really hard for older iPads to support these features, aka running like four apps at once. Um, right. And they kind of stepped away, stepped back from that. Um, but they also disabled the external monitor support. And this seems mm -hmm. to have made Stage Manager less stable, um, at least in terms of like people's usage of it. So it remains to be seen if that is because they did a big rewrite to uh, allow the system to better support older devices because a bunch of people mm -hmm. like bought iPad Pros including the A15 uh, A12 sorry uh, X and Z models assuming that the software was just coming it was just like delayed uh, but the power of the yeah. processor was there right it's like so underutilized for the apps that were running on them that it was just like the software will catch up and then I can finally start using this device that I bought two years ago to actually do some real work. Uh, and then Apple basically said at this year's dub dub that like, hey, we have this brand new stage manager thing. It's only in the M1s. Now they're backpedaling yeah. and saying, hey, we did the hard work to get it running on the older devices and we're uh, going to ship external display support later this year, whenever that is. Uh, but that's going to be a separate update. So first, it's going to launch on on the d iPad itself, which 
to be fair, like absolutely no one is using this with their external monitor anyways. So mm-hmm. they're not like yeah. really holding anyone back. They're just going to be helping more people, which seems to be the goal here. Uh, however, people are confused as to why like things got worse in the process. It's probably because they rewrote a yeah. whole bunch of system components to like work on more uh, like CPU styles, uh, especially ones that were not necessarily made for like running with virtual memory and all that. Um, so sure. maybe it's related to that and all that like performance tuning uh, included a whole bunch of regressions. Or maybe we're getting an ancient build as far as like why would we be getting an ancient build to test with? Because that makes like no sense in my mind. I would think you wouldn't want the latest builds for people to test with because this is a beta. Um, like having them test something that you as a developer are like f- removed from like doesn't seem to help anyone. So um, I don't know like what's going on at Apple uh, to have like landed themselves in this situation. Um, I am of the opinion that if you're making something, finish it, then announce it. Uh, don't just like announce it and then have your team like now start working on it. Uh, because this is the situation yeah. you get in. Um, so yeah, in terms of lesson number two, as brought to us by giant corporations, um, <laughs> if you're going to be working on something, sure, you can announce that you're planning on something. Don't give a date. Uh, just Mm -hmm. like it's either pie in the sky present it as pie in the sky not as you finished it because then if you can't finish it you're royally um in a position where like people will lose trust in you and that's just that's just how how it works uh so yeah and i don't know what else to say there yeah as i remember ipad os was originally supposed to come out uh, ipad os 16 was supposed to come out the same time as as iOS 16, but I think it's really because of Stage Manager that it was delayed, and I don't think we have even 16.1 yet. I don't know. I'm no, it's going to come in 16.1. One. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm on a beta on one iPad for work and not on the other. I can't remember <laughs> when the release is, but um, yeah, I mean, seems seems odd. And you know, I I get that we have the expectation of um, yearly ios releases but if they wouldn't have announced like you said just that expectation of hey we've got this thing it's coming out and then everyone's like oh this beta sucks then you know we, there probably wouldn't be as much discourse on twitter and, and everywhere that it's it's pretty negative it, it's been like the first like real i think negative thing that i've seen with like an apple os for a while i think there was some stuff like Big Sur, if I remember right, but mm-hmm. yeah, just you know, it's done when it's done, and I get that Apple needs to announce this for shareholders or whatever to make them happy, but yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know like why they feel the need to make shareholders happy. They never felt that need, uh, really, up until. Yeah. They actually started making shareholders tons and tons of money. So I guess now it's a more prescient thing. But, like, I don't know who's going to complain about, like, how Apple... Like, they are doing horribly from, like, a sure. management point of view at this, at this particular point in time. Um, and, like, people are still happy with Apple. So, like... Yeah. No, I don't. That, that trust can erode. And that's, like, the, the very fine line that uh apple needs to be careful like this is still beta like no one should judge them based on anything yet because they didn't ship anything um but they did delay certain things and delaying like the ipad means that you can't ship icloud uh photo library or what was it called shared photo library you can't ship that because if people have more than one device it's not like you can just upgrade the iphones and then the macs are just sitting there like oh i don't know what a photo library is anymore uh, because all the yeah. photos went poof. Um, or the iPad might do the similar thing. Like, I almost wish Apple would release like the apps and the system separately. And I know the apps are like well integrated and deeply dependent yeah. on the system. So it's like unfortunate that they can't. But like stuff like Photo Library, like that should have been something that they can release on every device at one point in time. Same with like mm-hmm. the new notes. Like, they've done this in the past where they, like, rewrote Notes, but then you yep. can't access Notes on your Mac because, like, they rewrote it until the Mac version ships. 
Um, so they yep, might as well not have that. rewrote notes or released it early, and they should have just waited for notes to come out with the iPad. And sure, there are some users that could have used it and so on for it. And it's like a big mess. Uh, all all of their making. So, like, yep. yeah, it may have been better for Apple to like be able to ship things a little bit more piecemeal um, and a little bit less dependent on like the system itself if they needed to. And they did a great job with Swift here. Right, you were able mm. to ship with Swift before the system even supported Swift, um, and like that was working well. Like, yes, the binaries are bigger, but yes, we live with gigabit internet connections. Like, it's not that part is not the end of the end of everything anymore. Um, and I think so many people would benefit from that. Like, if SwiftUI were its own like separate thing that can be bundled into the app, sure, it's closed source. Like, we're never going to solve that. But if Apple can improve it within, like, beta stages of later versions of Xcode, and you can ship that to all your users, then, like, people are going to benefit from that because no one's going to hold back using SwiftUI, and everyone's going to go all in and start using it because it's available for any version of the OS that they want to ship to, right? right. Um, and, like, that's 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 a yet another, uh, in, a, in a seemingly larger list of lessons from giant corporations that like we as as smaller developers can learn from right uh and to to complete the trifecta uh from open ai we have yet another yet another big giant corporation owned by like super rich people i'm assuming i don't know who owns open ai but it, it feels very big and corporate um and rich uh but <laughs> they they and came rich. out with a thing called uh dolly uh, and Dolly 2 specifically. Uh, and it was this amazing technology that basically allowed you to type words and get an image out of nothing. And this has like been a Google uh, image searcher's dream up until now of just being able to just search the internet for that perfect image. Well, here we have something that can invent a new image uh, just for you. Uh, but those researchers realized the dangers of releasing this. Um, and therefore they said like, Hey, we're going to make this really limited because people can just yeah. fake whatever on earth that they want. Um, and immediately that week, I think we got Dolly mini or something. Um, and then we got stable diffusion and then we got a whole bunch of other like copycats that essentially did yeah. the same thing for free, uh, right now <laughs> for anyone. Uh, so there Dolly was in all its pristine and glory, uh, that supposedly did things properly. Uh, and then you have the rest of the world that just moved on because they didn't really care. Um, yeah. and as a result, Dolly now is publicly available as of this week, I think. Um, mm -hmm. and they like announced, they announced pricing a few weeks ago, uh, but there's no more wait list. Anyone can just go ahead and sign up for it. Um, but it might be too late, right? Because now you have all these other competing, uh, libraries that you can go ahead and use. Uh, they're not even, they're, some of them are services. Some of them are not. Uh, some of them have like very cheap plans and Dolly seems to have a very, like uh watchdoggy type plan where it's like every single time you make a search result we're gonna charge you it's like be careful with mm. your creativity uh don't don't be too creative now um and yeah so like i guess the lesson here is like yeah be careful when you are trying to release something that can potentially like ruin ha your release schedules because you were trying to do the right thing and I, that sounds like yeah. wrong like <laughs> you should try I, to do the right thing right um but be careful when it's easily copyable and then anyone could go ahead and do it and maybe like accelerate your schedule or think more about like access and gatekeeping and pricing uh than you mm -hmm. otherwise should because you may have popularized something but you may have also given a whole bunch of free publicity to everyone else uh, because you had the pristine and they had the quick solution. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what like lesson a whole... to be learned there, but it's confusing. Yeah, there's like a whole bunch of thoughts in my head about this, and I don't think I can convey it very well. But, yeah, I mean, it's like you've got like the whole mentality of like move fast and break things mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a version one. Don't ship it or just ship it. You know what I mean? But also like keep your cards close to your chest and so you have this like multi-layered venn diagram of of how don't to forget can collapse society like 
chances <laughs> the, the chances <laughs> well, are a little high on yes. stuff like this so it's yes. like it's, it's yeah. very like hard to judge i don't even know what the answer is yeah for sure and i mean just like in general for any product like this same thing could happen with less uh consequences perhaps but like in a similar fashion you could do this for any product you're developing and it's like you want to make the good the product good but like you want to be first to either first to market or best to market i suppose and like i think their their uh methodology of making sure it's done well and and being kind of careful about something like this that is potentially uh, hazardous was good but then like you said it, it paved the way for other other people to just come in and be like yeah we don't really care about that so whatever and <laughs> here's this fun thing just, that you can play with yeah uh, i saw that facebook kind of came up with a similar thing for like five second videos that are yeah and that, like that is like even more like technologically advanced because most of yeah. these like ai things they aren't stable at all like what sure. you do what you do in one thing uh, is not going to give you a very stable result. So you can't do video at all with these things. Like you're going to get wazy, uh, crazy, yeah. wackadoodle things. Wazy. Um, wazy. Uh, and I think stable diffusion uh, is special in that regard because you can train it with something else that is new, that is specific to what you're trying to do, and it will incorporate it with everything else. And that allows you to make something that has potentially a narrative um, and Corridor Digital did an excellent video where they kind of explored this further. Um, and they basically said for the first time they were able to write a narrative with AI. Like they wrote the narrative, but they used AI mm -hmm. to tell the story because the AI was so consistent in the imagery and the characters that you could have the same character pop up in different kind of situations. And if you watch Corridor Digital, it's all their faces that uh, end up showing popping up in there. It was a that, great video on cool. this. Um, so like we are definitely getting there and especially with what yeah. uh, Facebook AK meta uh, came out with is you can do that across multiple frames, which is yeah, especially like amazing because you can just make up a video. It's like, Hey, I need a 10 second clip of this happening. It's like, okay, uh, here you go. Uh, here's a 10 second clip of that. And uh, that is where the danger that like OpenAI was trying to like step away from. Like Facebook yeah. was like, and eh, whatever, here you go. Um, and that is yeah. like, <laughs> especially what they didn't want to happen, right? But at this point, the cat is like way out of the bag. So instead of saying, hey, people, you can't use this uh, yet, and like we're gonna work with researchers and all that, it might be better to like think of different ways of how how to gate people's access or how to educate people so that way they can make better decisions, right? At the end of the day, if we as a society are thinking about this, then we are less likely to be trumped by it. Or if we are trumped by it, more likely to correct for it. Um, and maybe they should have been focusing on that. It's like, hey, if you are going to be doing stuff like this, like, be, don't try to trick people. Like, be upfront about what you're doing because we're very rapidly entering a world of fakeness, right? That anything can be made by anyone. Uh, and what previously very few subset of people like with excellent skills could like fake something for like a movie, right? And it's like, Hey, that's yeah. what movies are for, but it's a movie. It, no, nothing about that is being presented as reality. Um, and very soon we are getting the tools to present that as reality. So we need to better, be prepared for that eventuality right yeah i mean going back to corridor digital i think of a couple things they've they've done deep faking of like keanu reeves in a uh, a gas station and then it turns into like this whole fight and they got like a keanu reeves impersonator but then also uh fed whatever the deep fake program was a bunch of images of, Ke of actually keanu reeves and it was pretty dang believable. And then there's all like on kind of a farther end, but perhaps closer to AI generated images and video is like the whole, um, uh, boss town dynamics where it's like the, the fake robot, like, mm -hmm. you know, shooting at people and stuff. And it's like that took an entire team of, you know, rotoscoping and doing all oh, of this. Oh, it was a ton of work. 
a ton of work. And then you just can now tell like an AI generator, like, Hey, make a robot that's shooting people. Like it's kind of getting there. Obviously it's not going to be of the same quality, but realistically, I don't think it's that far off that it could get believable. And especially to like, there are gullible people on the internet that uh, did believe that immediately. And they weren't like suspicious of that because perhaps they didn't know at all that something like that was possible, like deep faking. Um, mm-hmm. They did like Tom Cruise too, I think. Um, yeah. And super Luke good Skywalker. videos. I, like oh, really? that's I not a real that. person. That's a, that's a fictitious. One. Oh yeah, yeah. But they, yes. they basically showed how you can make a really realistic Luke Skywalker with the right, the right person to, to be the stand in. Right. Yeah. So it, I'm, we're on the precipice of something, uh, that i think is like you're saying it's i mean society could be society shaking um ai stuff is is insane and it's scary i think there are a lot of like ethical things that uh need to be worked out i don't know like you're saying anyone can just make an image or a video that's um that's heavy i guess is what i'm trying to say mhm and like not to mention audio like no one realizes this yeah. realizes this but like adobe a few years ago is just like hey check out our tools it's like you can correct dubs um and this is great for the film production process it's like hey you can take a recording of anyone and just change what they say and if you just change a few things you can be very successful at tricking everyone that this is complete tomfoolery uh and not at all yeah. real um and that's that's especially where this is like terrifying i think um, because yeah. like you can, you, nothing anyone says as a recording can be taken at face value anymore. Um, and like including that is this. something, yeah, including this, this might all be not our own, uh, thoughts. This might be Spencer, uh, putting words into my mouth, um, <laughs> as he types a script in front of me that I am reading live. <laughs> um, and he's not actually doing that, but if I say it, then you might believe it. Right. Um, and I think that's the point. Like we really need to as a society get used to the fact that anyone can be the asshole in the room and decide to like trick everyone um and just like computers needed to overall their security because it became blatantly obvious that anyone can do bad things on anyone else's computer like we need to do the same thing for how we like live our life and sure there is a certain amount of implicit trust that we should have for like humanity um and it's sad to see that go but it was never really there <laughs> like yeah well, uh, it's I mean, just 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 going back to like spam emails and being or like mm-hmm. you're the one millionth visitor on this website that you don't get anymore that kind of thing it's yeah. just an evolution a great evolution of that on a completely different scale and uh yeah but Similar, similar thing, I think. I mean, the the ultimate example of this is no one gets hacked anymore. No one gets viruses. But everyone gets phone calls from Microsoft saying, hey, you need to install <laughs> an update true. on your computer. And then all of a sudden you're sending gift cards uh, to a person in a different country. And yeah. everyone might think, hey, like, that's never going to happen to me. I'm not dumb enough for that. A whole class of people are not dumb, but they are falling for that because... Like, they are pretending to be someone either that they know or pretending to help them uh, and playing on their emotions to get exactly what they want. Um, and that and... would be a perfect example of, like, deep faking a voice. Mm-hmm. To, like, say, like, oh, this is your son, whatever. But, like, have it be in their voice. I don't know. Yeah, imagine yeah. if all it takes I... is to just do a little search on Facebook to find out, like, who someone is related to. And then get enough videos of them talking uh, and videos that they've been tagged with or whatnot. And you have yeah. all the data's there, there right? Are, this is, we are, are like so voice... close to this eventuality that's yeah. really scary. I feel like uh, it's been a while since I looked into this, but I think I remember um, looking at or hearing about like an AI voice generator that needs like less, like 60 seconds or less or something to be able to copy your voice. I mean, it's not much at all. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, yeah, lots and, of scary stuff. Yeah, and I can, I can definitely like clarify that I I studied linguistics in college, and it is fascinating how few characteristics make up someone's like uh, dialect, their own personal mm-hmm. dialect that sounds like them. Like, there's 
a few bass frequencies that you need to match. There's a few timings with vowels and where they match and time those vowels. And if you can get enough of those details and you know what to look for, you can really, like, artistically as a single person, you can do it. Um, now, that's we're crazy. very close to having an automatic button that just does it for anyone. And that's a scary thing, right? We never really had to worry about, like, individual expertise because yes individuals will commit crimes and they'll do that but it's gonna be very few and far between the scale yeah. yeah and now it's just anyone with a bad idea can be like hey, wouldn't it be funny if we do this um and potentially cause like mass chaos as a result of that so i don't want to end this episode on like such negativity <laughs> uh, because like the end of the world is upon us uh if if you were led to believe everything we've been talking about um yes. But uh, I think that a lot of this is really, really cool. And a lot of this can enable some really, really cool things. And if we put the society needs to evolve as like a separate conversation, because there's no like answer to that. It's just everyone needs like education to to be able to navigate this new world we live in. Uh, and that's, there's no no way around that. I mean, we did it pretty quickly with like how to how to work from a society with no cell phones to everyone has a cell phone. Like we just... We right. go through those steps. Everyone gets used to the fact that you don't tap things in emails. Um, and and we move forward as a society. So uh, one of the really cool things that Stable Diffusion uh, enables is someone was able to get this running on their iPhone XS, which last I checked is a fairly oh, old iPhone. Uh, and that's cool. uh, it, like it had to be cut up into different models so that way it would not run out of memory. Um, but... That enables a lot for potentially like app developers like you and I, like this is all open source. Um, and yeah. being able to like tap into the ability to do this within an app can allow you to make some really creative apps and build tools that can help people do really interesting and creative things. Um, and I think that's where a lot of this is going to do a lot of good for the world, right? Uh, where the more people can gain access to tools like this and gain access on their own devices, meaning they don't have to have a network connection. They don't have to have uh, the ability to pay someone a monthly fee to be able to access stuff yep. like this. The more that they're going to be able to do some really cool and interesting things with it. Um, and I think that's going to enable a whole new like generation of potential storytellers uh, who may not have spent a whole bunch of time like learning how to illustrate or learning how to use Photoshop, but they do have other talents in other spaces that they did uh, focus right. on and be able to bring that together in a very different way that we're not, that no one has seen yet. Right. Um, so uh, very much in the bicycle of your mind kind of uh, analogy. I think that this is really going to allow a lot of people to do some really creative things. And that is kind of exciting. Yeah. I, it's like there's so much potential on both sides and like they can do creative things in both a good and a bad way. And that's, I, I agree, it's exciting, but it's also terrifying. Yeah. So, sorry, I, I, I turned it negative again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem because this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Weekly Swift Exercises. Learning Swift, there's Me. no substitute for practicing. There's dozens, literally dozens of people Fernando's mentioned mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. Increasing your confidence is key, and there's an easy way to do it. Practice. Fernando's weekly exercises help you practice concepts like closures and protocols while implementing actual features like dark mode. It's free to join. Besides the exercises, Fernando sends one or two articles about learning Swift. Some are technical in nature, but most of them will help you in your career by teaching you things like best practices, working as a team, and getting ready for your first job. Thanks again to for Fernando. Uh, thanks again to Fernando and Weekly Swift Exercises for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to twitter.com slash swift exercises. That's S-W-I-F-T-E-X-E-R-C-I-S-E-S -E -E today to learn more. So we have a bit of a new thing uh, this week, um, and that is the Code Completion tip um, of the week. And this first one, I kind of used quite a lot um and it's called reserve capacity so uh spencer when you make an array what like how yeah. big is it brand new array fresh out of the box i'd assume the size of the elements that you put into it initially 
or yep, exactly. zero if you don't have any elements. Exactly. So it starts off at like a pretty blank slate um, or just big enough for what you put into it because it doesn't need any more. Um, now, uh, assuming it, it took a little extra space just in case you wanted to add one or two things and you add one mm. or two things and you use up all the available space, what happens? It finds a new chunk of memory to put the rest of the elements i don't know yep basically it, it goes and looks for a bigger chunk copies everything over and then you have some more oh. space to work with okay i see i see now yes okay yep so it will double i think it doubles and it probably stops doubling once you get to like gigabyte sizes like let me add a little bit extra because you probably don't need to double this again uh, but like if you if you go to take computer science classes from the 90s, they will convince you that it's doubling because doubling is good. Um, and uh, it will essentially, every time you hit a boundary, it will get more space and it will take time to transfer everything over to that new space. Because it's not just going to say like, hey, we need some more, so we're just going to take this extra and tack it on. Sometimes it's able to say, like, hey, can we reallocate this existing piece of memory into a little bit larger? And there is space next for us, next by, so the system's like, sure, here's some more memory for you uh, sure. for free. Um, and that's that's excellent when that does happen, but it doesn't always happen. So um, one way to avoid this happening um, is if you know the size of the array that you want to have, you can reserve capacity ahead of time. So... You make your array that has nothing in it, and you say reserve capacity 10,000 because you know you're about to loop through 10,000 other things and add them after transforming them a bit to your new array. Um, and reserve capacity can help you do that because it will go ahead and tell the array, hey, make sure you have enough room for 10,000. And it may it, it may give you 10,000, may only give you five, or may like do something appropriate uh, for for the system in its current state. Um, but this allows you to skip that step of like doubling, doubling, doubling until you get to 10,000. Um, and that can save you a lot of memory, um, and a lot of time every single time it needs to double. So, uh, anytime you find yourself like looping through an, an array or a sequence and you need to like move stuff over, or maybe you need to build a dictionary out of an array, um, anytime you're doing anything like that and you have the for loop manually yourself, you should go ahead and reserve capacity ahead of time based on the number of things you have in the array that you're about to iterate through. Um, and that can save some uh, save some CPU cycles because you can do the upfront work once instead of several times in your loop. That's really cool. I did not know how, yeah, how it really worked with sort of the memory reservation. My first assumption was like, okay, it's going to take whatever it has. And then maybe like the last part of the array would be like a reference to the next part of memory that would hold like the a rest of the array or whatever. Sorts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's that, okay. So the, like calling reserve capacity makes a lot more sense now. And it's based on you, the element, like the number of elements, right? It's not based on like X amount of memory. You're not saying like reserve 100 megabytes or whatever of memory no you're reserving you're enough enough space for the elements. elements so if those are structs it's going to basically multiply 10,000 by the size of your struct if it's just pointers yeah. this is going to be the size of a pointer basically hmm. okay okay cool so if you um, use map it does this automatically so like if you're mapping one array to something else it's going to make a new array reserve enough capacity for it and then basically do this for loop for you um, which can or cannot be faster depending on uh, the compiler flags you have on. Um, so there's that. So, okay, so is there... Assuming you know, you always will know the size of the array, mm -hmm. is there any point to not reserving capacity? Uh, laziness is, uh, okay. like, if you need well, to yeah. do something quick and simple and you don't want to think uh, about sorry, it. Sorry, performance-wise, like I suppose. Right. Yeah, there's there's never a downside to doing it if you know you need it. If you don't know you're going to need it, like you're going to filter through an array, then reserving yeah. capacity might take up way more memory than you need, and it's going to stay used. Um, and it might not be okay. freed until like that array is copied, and it's like, hey, we didn't actually need all this capacity, so we're going to reserve just enough for that copy that we're going to make. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that that's the only point in time that you'll be able to reclaim that space. Um, or when you, as you start deleting things, there's remove keeping capacity. Um, and if you keep the capacity, it will keep it. But if you remove without specifying true to that, it's going to like 
reallocate a smaller size if you downsize your array. Um, so uh, that's and this, that's where you want to think about it. Okay, this works on like any collection type, not just uh, arrays. I think you mentioned a dictionary. Yeah, it works on most collection types. So dictionaries are arrays of key values, like swapping oh. uh, between each other. Um, so that's a fun fact of the implementation detail. Um, like sets are arrays of hashed, like it's sure. a hash table, but it's still an array of things. Um, so like all of these, all of these different sequences are arrays of memory pointers at the end of the day, um, or like structs, uh, just under the hood. And you have a different, completely different way of accessing what they vend in terms of, uh, in terms of like APIs and stuff like that. So, uh, any of those types that like offer a way of like accessing a collection, uh, probably have reserved capacity. I don't think sequences have reserved capacity because they don't even have a length. Uh, they have an underrepresentative count, I think. Um, or I'm sure it's named something slightly different, but it's basically like, it can be at least this amount, but it's not making any promises because sometimes you just can't know ahead of time. Like if right. you're receiving something from the network, cause I don't know how many things there are, but there might, there's at yeah. least five or there's at least zero. Um, and that can give you <laughs> enough to reserve capacity from. Uh, so that's, that's something to watch out for. Cool. I, I like it. I'm going to try to, my goal this week is going to be to try to find a, uh, an instance where I can use that at work. Yeah. Anytime you're like iterating through an array and you're like moving it to a different array, or like inserting into an array, like reserve capacity. It's a is, it's a very is easy there a, um, Is there kind of a parallel in Objective C, or is it just kind of a sort of thing? Fun fact. Uh, so Objective C <laughs> has NS array, right? NS array yes. is not always an array, um, and that's that's something of a surprising fact that many people don't know. Um, it's called a class. Oh, I'm forgetting terms now. Uh, a class uh, cluster. Um, and this means that there are a number of subclasses that all have the same API and all behave in a similar way. Uh, but there can oh. be many different types of arrays that have the same API as NS array. So depending how you get your array, it might be something that is very array-like or very not array-like. Um, like for instance, you can have cyclic arrays where as you add to the end of them, and you reach that capacity and there's some space in the front, it will just like loop over. So you can add oh. and remove from the front and back. It's a double-ended queue in that response in that regard. Um, but Swift does not have that. So Swift has just like a strictly computer science definition of an array mm -hmm. um, and a double-ended queue or deck, whatever, I hate that term, uh, has been implemented oh, yeah. separately as a part of Swift collections. Um, and everyone learned that term at that point in time. I just called them cyclic arrays uh, up until that point. Uh, but uh, reserve capacity or init with capacity in the case of NS array is classically a no-op. So it does not actually do anything because it oh might gosh, switch okay. implementations depending on how big the array is. Um, so that can save you time or not. Like if you have a ginormous array and you insert or remove from the middle of it, that's going to be a real like a real number yeah. in performance but if array is like no longer an array and is now a partial link list um and that's why when you said before like you just assumed an array like use mm -hmm. the capacity and then potentially just linked to another region of memory and right. array does that and array will absolutely do <laughs> oh that gosh, if you okay. grow it up to a certain point in time it'll switch implementations they'll say like here hey new implementation here's my uh my pointer to my data store um, and that's where the method uh, iterate with consecutive, like continuous buffer or something like that. I don't remember the exact like autocomplete code completion. It's a thing that my brain relies hey. on. Um, so th at that point in time, it will actually like give you different buffers and say, "Hey, here's a continuous buffer that you can loop through." And then once you run out of that, it's going to be like, "Here's a new continuous buffer that you can loop through." Um, and I oh think okay. uh, NS data does this. Uh, where the data buffers don't have to be contiguous because you might mm -hmm. get chunks from like the network and it doesn't have to copy anything. It can take that chunk and then take another chunk and say like, hey, this data is composed of this chunk, this chunk, this chunk, this chunk, and this chunk. 
Um, it doesn't have to copy anything in that process. It can just keep those pointers alive. Um, so going back to what you're saying previously about like, oh, I thought it was this way. That's a very reasonable way of doing it. And that's something that I think NS data and NS array actually do under the hood um, in some circumstances on some versions of the OS. But you shouldn't that's... ever rely on it, right? <laughs> because it's not important to right. you. You just want to access the data. That's insane. Yeah. That blew my mind. Wow. So. Okay. <laughs> Reserve capacity. Got more everyone. than I bargained for. <laughs> it's a fun. It's a fun little uh, tip that you can go ahead and use. So finally, it's time for mini review corner. Um, and I received a device that uh, I did not actually. I did have last time. I just forgot about it. Uh, but that is the Apple Watch Series Eight. Um, so I figured I would talk about it. Um, I am coming from an Apple Watch Series 5 slash 3, so my 5 was my main driver and my 3 was my nighttime uh, watch for sleep tracking. Um, and uh, I want to I give some background there. So my 3 is the big boy watch, um, the, the larger size, whatever millimeter size that was. Uh, they they yeah. constantly change, so I'm just going to call them the big ones and the small ones. Uh, the Ultra is on its own uh, spectrum, <laughs> so we'll leave it there. Um, I have not seen one in person, by the way, so I have no idea how massive it will look on me, uh, but still tempted because it's orange. Um, anyways, uh, I had the Series 3, so very old watch, but large. Uh, and then I have a Series 5, which was the watch two years afterwards, I added the rounded corners uh, and smaller, and it had like all the new health sensors, uh, basically. Uh, and this is my right. first new watch since, so... Uh, immediate first impressions. The first thing I noticed was the little pad to type your like code to like unlock the watch is absolutely massive compared to both of my previous watches. So uh, this one, like the Series Seven, has the edge to edge display, mm. um, and I immediately realized that even though the watch is much smaller than I like was, it's the same size as my Series Five. Uh, it had a much bigger number pad than the Series Three, which was a much larger watch. Uh, that one had the square uh, cutout. So, right. um, yeah, that, that was the first thing I noticed uh, where uh, there was like a major difference between the Series 8 and what I was previously used to. Um, and then from there, the second thing I immediately noticed is how much better the battery life is. Oh, my goodness. So when I first got my Series 5, that was a brand new watch. It could not last as long as the Series 3 that it was supposedly replacing that was two years well, old at the yes. time uh because it was much smaller and it had the first always on display uh, right. and it was much faster so like all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of new things about the watch that the battery was like getting better right like the battery is the same technology but the the processor was like sipping less and less uh to support mm-hmm. all these new features but it could not last as long as a series three especially if you did workouts or anything like that um, I was doing long walks at the time, and I was like, forget about it. Um, fast forward to two weeks ago, like, both my watch... I'm, like, rotating... Ever since I updated to watchOS 9, I think. It's so hard nine. to keep track of these yeah. numbers. They should have just, like, kept them in lockstep, and that would have been easy. Uh, but anyways, we're in watchOS 9 for Apple Watch Series 8. Um, <laughs> and I installed it on my Apple Watch Series 5, uh, but not my 3, because it wasn't supported. Um, and... Ever since I did that, like, generally the battery power was, like, I was switching within the day between watches, not even, like, getting to nighttime. My watch was, like, dying. I was losing half my my steps, and I was like, no, my steps. Um, (laughs) Oh, no, it wasn't my steps. It was my stand hours. I was like, no, my stand hour record is (laughs) tarnished. Turns out they Uh, don't keep track of, like, stand hour uh, streaks, which is good. Uh, but I have since learned of lots of um, what I like to call speedrunner strats of uh, faking data, <laughs> <laughs> getting getting something that satisfies me, the user. Um, so, yeah, I, I I was disgruntled by that and very, very surprised when the Series 8 came because the battery was something that was, like, eye-opening that a small watch could do this. I was expecting, like, hey, it'll probably be better a little bit yeah um but it seems like apple had a good three years of using the same exact like processor basically to just improve the the power efficiency of that processor rather than speed so yes it's a tiny bit faster than my series 5 but most importantly 
like it is way better in terms of battery efficiency. Um, and this thing happily went through the day, through the night, and then through most of the rest of the day. Um, and like very much surprised me in that regard. So, nice. um, if you were like stuck on the larger watch sizes because you wanted that extra battery, um, or you needed that extra screen, you really don't need to think about that anymore, especially if you didn't know, uh, that the, the series six and series seven were like improving this in these key areas. Um, so yeah, that, that's my, those are my overall impressions of the series eight. It's. Like, if I had a Series 7, I would not even consider this. Um, and probably mm-hmm. not even a Series 6. But at this point, I have a 3-year-old watch and a 5-year-old watch. The 5-year-old watch no longer gets us some updates. Um, so it was a good point in time to to consider switching. And, oh, the faster charging. I forgot about the tra- faster charging. This mm. thing charges so fast. Um, like, literally, I have it plugged into one of those USB chargers, which makes me sad because at my bedside, I have one of those Anchor, like, 10-plug USB things. Um, but yeah. I can't use that because USB-C is not, not a thing on there. Um, so, uh, I'm kind of out of luck in terms of faster charging from that thing, but plugged into the wall, it goes so fast that like when this thing is at 10%, I'm like, okay, I'll take it off. I put it there. Um, and I like put my other watch on and 30 to 45 minutes later, this one is almost completely charged again. Um, and nice. that was like something totally unexpected. Um, so yeah, there, there's one like headlining feature for this watch that did not any of the other watches did not have, and that was like the temperature sensing. Uh, I opened down day one. And it says, "Hey, you need five nights of temperature sensing um, for this to work." Oh. <laughs> uh, and I tried it again this morning. Actually, let me try it right now. Um, and I believe it's in the health app, and I believe it just kind of like says, "Oh, here, wrist temperature." I am, as of today, 0.57 degrees Fahrenheit above baseline. So it just kind of gives you a little graph uh, and shows you where baseline is uh, and tells you if you're, like, doing better or worse. So I guess I will wait until the point of time that I get, like, drastically sick and then it's just going to, like, climb and plateau at (laughs) some high temperature for a while and be like you were sick at this point in time and i'll be able to go back two years of my life and be like oh look that time i was sick because it shows up on the graph um otherwise i have like no no like real use for the temperature thing uh but some people do and i think it's cool that it gets added for that um so yeah those are my thoughts on the apple watch series 8 if you have an ancient watch consider it because it is amazing in that regard uh i'm usually not one to like wait in between generations of watches um or devices in general i have been for the watches mm-hmm. so every time like i get a new watch i am able to enjoy that satisfaction that things are like drastically better um whereas most of the time apple's like incrementally improving this it's 15 percent faster here it's 15 percent faster here and over three years of 15 percent faster is like that's a that's a big improvement right so right. It's, it's nice to be able to feel that I um can I hijack the the mini oh, review it. corner? Okay, cool. We both know someone that works at Apple and was able to get me a discount on this. So Dimitri's whole thing of unlocking his watch because the number pad is bigger. Uh, that was, was like enough. <laughs> the catalyst. And I was like, fine, okay, whatever. So and then uh, that person at Apple was like, hey, I've got a discount code that's running out if you want it. I was like. Okay, so <clears throat> I got one too when I was, and I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, definitely not planning on it. Um, and I think it, it like, I got the bigger one. Um, and I think out of the door with tax and everything, it was like just under $400. So it was like pretty good saving. I think it was 15%. Um, and I drove it, I, I was um, at a mall like 30 minutes from my house. Um, picked it up that same day and everything. And, uh, I'm not one to wear my watch very often anyway, but I've been trying to wear it a little bit more. And, uh, so I had the series four before this, and that was the one pre, um, always on display. I think it had the rounded corners, right? That was the rounded corner generation. Yes. Yes. And as I was driving home and 
in the couple times that I've had to like drive up to work uh, since the always on screen has annoyed me so much when I'm driving. I turned it off. I don't like it. <laughs> we get uh, extra battery now. I would probably, yeah, I, I know. Um, and that was like, you know, okay, I, I tried it out for a few days and I, I can't get used to it. Cause like I still see it and sometimes it thinks that I, I want to look at it and it wakes up and changes and it's annoying to me. So, uh, I'm honestly, I'm not sure I'm going to keep it, uh, I know that my series four is it was able to get watch OS nine. And I know that that's, you know, it's basically end of life at this point. It's probably not going to get watch OS 10. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to keep it, which is, it's good. How, okay. Also another thing, half of the reason that I wanted it, cause I thought that the midnight color was blue. It's just black. Oh, no. So I, I bamboozled myself into it with Apple's naming schemes. I thought it was going to be a blue watch. The, the band is really cool. I got the, uh, that sport loop. That's like, uh, well, let me grab it. This one, which I really like mm-hmm. the band, and I honestly might just buy the band and, and return the watch. Um, it's cool, and the screen is significantly bigger, but I just don't know if I use my watch enough to to even justify it with a with the discount and everything. So that's the, I'm I'm. It's not like I I'm a skeptic of of the improvements and changes and stuff, mm-hmm. and I think like. Crash detection is another cool thing that it has, but I'm going to have that on my new phone. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to bum out the, the mini review corner or anything. It's just, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm like not the target audience for a, an Apple watch. Really? I use it for notifications and that's about it. And I know that mm-hmm. that should be motivating to me to like use it to work out and stuff. I just, I don't. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the bare minimum thing, like getting me to move. So that's that's like the reason why <laughs> yeah. I'm invested in it. Like, I I have a, a running thousand day streak of like the move move thing, and I always try to get the oh. the monthly challenge. And sometimes the monthly challenge is like you need two thousand exercise minutes. I'm like two thousand exercise minutes, or oh. like some insane thing yeah. that it decides for me. And I'm like, okay, I'll do my best. Um, sometimes speedrunning strats get involved in that process. There you go. There you um, go. So, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I need a stand. I'm standing. <laughs> Getting the stand. So, That's awesome. that works less, I'll, I'll less reliably on the newer watches than the older ones, by the way. <laughs> that used uh, to be really easy to trick. Now it's getting a little smarter about, like, oh, that does not look like you're standing very much. But, it, like, sometimes you get mad because, like, you did the stand and it's like it didn't get the stand and then it, like, moved uh, on. And I'm like, I'm, I, I standed. I am standing. <laughs> I'll get notifications that, like, it's like, you're almost there. You only need to stand for a few more minutes when I'm, like, sitting down eating lunch. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> Oh, I wish so. the stand the stand notifications happened at the beginning of the hour rather than the end. Because I'm like, oh, ten minutes. I, I just have one last thing to finish. And it's like... 5.02 p.m. Like, no. <laughs> it's like, just just not enough time. Um, yeah. Oh, I was reminded of something else that, that did get added. Um, so this is something that you need to, like, turn on in accessibility. But if you triple-click your, your thing, you get the accessibility sheet, right? And one of them is oh. Apple Watch mirroring. And this will just go ahead and oh. you can see Spencer um while that loads that's cool yeah of course it's not working when i do a live demo of it but i didn't make this product so i don't feel like sad by that oh connecting connected you're like airplaying to your phone that's cool yeah so you get you get the watch and you can go ahead and like spin oh that's that's gonna be awkward from this direction but you can like spin the crown you can tap on it uh, to go to the home screen, uh, you can do. You can basically use the watch. So uh, the use case for this for me is: you are grocery shopping, you have your phone in your hand already, but there's something on your watch that's not on your phone that's like easily accessible, um, like perhaps yeah. the workout or whatnot. Um, I don't know what kind of example I'm giving. It's like grocery shopping, you gotta do your workout. Uh, it's the one time of day that I walk. Uh, gotta get my walk. The in. best workout. <laughs> the, the indoor shopping route walk. Um, 
But like if you're if you're out on a walk and you need to like pause or do something on your watch and your only free hand is the one that's holding your phone, you can just triple click that. That's cool. That uh, little in, that little home button, home button, power button, whatever they call them on phones anymore. Um, and you can get access to that. And I thought that was like really neat. Um, so I guess you get double good use of accessibility for everyone this this year. Um, yeah, this week, not this year. Uh, so yeah, the uh, Apple Watch Series Eight. Uh, thumbs up from me. Thumbs down from Spencer. Uh, no, it's not a thumbs down. It's just I don't. <laughs> it's like a, I already have a watch, and I would use it for the same stuff. The new screen doesn't just. I don't know. It's a bigger screen. Neutral. Brighter. It is a bigger screen, and I got yes, it is brighter. That's for sure. For the dark, dark room. I love the. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, you know the flashlight thing, and it's just like white popover and that's all it is <laughs> it's so good it's uh it's a using so. technology for what it's meant for putting that's a right. white white do you remember there used to be like flashlight apps that would do exactly yeah, that before there was a flash oh, on yeah. the phones and then apple was like you I can't make a flashlight app anymore we have too many of these no no more and it would just like you. tank your phone's battery because like it the lasts LEDs were quite not... a long time now, like with the actual LED in the back, yep. like sometimes I forget well, it. Yeah, now. And it's like hours of forgetting. It. It's like, oh, this is not kill my battery as much as I thought it would. And it wouldn't make your phone hot like it did in the past. Mm-hmm. Like I remember with my phone. Oh, it, my makes, four. it makes that part, the flash, very hot. Um, yeah. Like, it was like, like not singeing meant hot. to stay on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good times. We We have progressed a little bit since then. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes go live, and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter. And for joining me this week, my name once again is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks. Bye.